grace in order to be saved. It was not done through our works. It was not done through something that we had done or would do, but but through your grace and and in your grace alone. And, and so we praise you for that, and we praise you that that grace continues to sustain us during the darkest of trials and during the the times of prosperity as well. We want to honor you in the way that we conduct ourselves. We have a great privilege receiving your grace, and so we have a great responsibility. Help us as we think about parenting, and uh, for those who have children, to 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 be able to put these truths practically into to practice, and then also for those who are not parents or or are not currently um, ha- have kids under their care in their home, we just pray that you would give uh, wisdom to them to know how to apply these things and know how to pray for other parents. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the final week of our class on parenting. And um, and uh, then next week, Ken is going to be teaching us. And then following that, we'll start a study on life in the body, what, what it's like to live in the body of Christ, the, the church. So we've looked at a lot of uh, principles as far as uh, the, the parenting is only a picture of of a greater reality that we're trying to model the Godhead, that is that God is called the Father and Jesus is called the Son. And also we're trying to model for other people and for ourselves the relationship that exists between God as our Father and we as His children, how God relates to us. And then thirdly, the picture... Uh, it helps us to picture what it's like to live within the body of Christ. You know, we treat our older, the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters. So there's a familial relationship that we have within our homes that is supposed to be a model of, of these three pictures. And so we've looked at that. We've, we've seen that we can't make our family the idol. You know, we can't set them uh, above God that we need to recognize that our relationship with God, that God is the ultimate reality, and that's what we're ultimately trying to to uh, point towards. So this week we want to do is just look at some practical ways that um, uh, some pra- practical observations by a pastor and his wife um, that they had put down, and I actually modified a couple of these and added a few, um, and they're kind of interspersed in here. So first we want to look at um, we're 39 things he calls this is Matt Schmucker. 39 things we've learned since being parents. First, about ourselves. Number one, we want to and we want our children to abide in Christ. We want to be faithful stewards of our children so that we teach them to abide in Christ. Let me show you where where he gets that from. John chapter 15. Okay, perhaps familiar to you, but but John 15, it's helpful to be reminded of this, this uh, great passage about our responsibility to, to have this abiding relationship with our Savior. John 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. So if we're going to be faithful stewards of our children, 
And we're going to teach our children to be faithful stewards of the resources God has given to them. Then we need to abide in Christ and we need to teach our children to abide in Christ. Because notice in this verse that we cannot be fruitful. Okay, We're talking about spiritual fruitfulness. We cannot be fruitful apart from abiding in Christ. We need to abide in Christ. Christ needs to abide in us. Number two, there is this trickle-down theory or cross-pollination. That is, that, that the things that we learn as parents trickle down or cross-pollinate with our teaching to our children. So, it's amazing how God does this, and perhaps you've seen this in other areas of your life, maybe when you're talking to someone at work about a specific topic they're bringing up a question on something and you just happen to you know, have listened to a sermon on that or read through that passage of Scripture that talks about that. The same idea applies in parenting that you know, the things that we're learning in the Scripture are often immediately practical to, uh, to what we're teaching our children. And, uh, and that's good. That's a good thing. You know, what we're learning is, is actually going to be helpful to drive our desires, our passions, and um, and things tend to be received much better when we speak about them from conviction. Number three, not listening to your children causes you to misjudge them. So be careful to listen to your children. Turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. There's a lot, there are lots of passages. In fact, I put them a bunch of them there for you on your handout that you can look up. The James passages, you know, everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. But notice chapter 18 of Proverbs, verse 2. Would someone read that for us? Okay, have you ever had a conversation with someone like this? They don't want to hear what you have to say. They just are waiting for the first pause that you have so they can get in and say what they have to say. Okay, That's what Proverbs calls a fool. And frankly, we don't think about this very much when it comes to parenting, but this is something that we can do with our children very easily. Because, you know, they're children. They don't understand like I... So let me just say what I think. I don't need to hear what they have to say. I don't need to try to understand them or, or things like that. So we need to be careful to listen to our, children's because, our children because we often misjudge them because we haven't taken time to listen to them. We just want to speak. And uh, so another practical help there. Number four, our task list, list is not as important as our children's thought life. So make allowance for interruptions. If you're a very task-oriented type of person where, you know, these are the things that I, I have to get done today, then you tend to be, you know, you tend to be very, you have, have, have tunnel vision. You know, you, you only have one thing in view, and so when interruptions start to come in, you, you can't get away from finishing your task in order to give attention to your children. And, and so that's a, that's a helpful a thought that we ought to, to think about, that, that we need to think about our children's care more than accomplishing our task list. Now, obviously, let me just go back here and just say, teach your children to um, to know how to interrupt 
you know, when you're talking to another adult or something, they just come in and, you, and, and interrupt. Teach them the, the respectful way to to, um, to to come into a conversation with you. And um, all right, number five, preach the gospel of grace. Okay, when I say preach, I, I'm talking both the um, mothers and fathers. So I'm not talking about you know get up in front of church and and open up the Scripture. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, teach them the gospel of grace. Teach them in the way that you live. Teach them in what you, uh, the way that you talk to them. You know, it's the, the idea of Deuteronomy chapter 6 where, you know, wherever you are, teach them about the gospel of grace. Number six, the best parents are those who have no kids. Right. The joke is, if you want to write a book on parenting, do it before your children are born, and uh, you'll have all sorts of great insight. But the but the nice part about parenting is it's a journey. It's it's a process. You know, I I was thankful that we didn't have a teenager, you know, born to us. I'm sure Jennifer's even more thankful that she didn't have to give birth to a teenager. But um, but I'm thankful that that you know we got to learn on the job. Right. It's like when the child is young, I'm learning how to be a parent and the child is learning how to to live and to be a child of yours. And so you you grow as the child is growing in your ability to parent. And um, so recognize that. It's a learning process that you haven't arrived and um, that there will always be more to learn. Number seven, think. Okay, you You will parent the way that you were parented unless you think about why they parented in that way. Okay, so you, you're going to just mimic what you've already seen, either good or bad, from what your parents did to you or what you've seen other parents do unless you think about it. And so that's why we've taken the, you know, this, um, this time throughout this year, this quarter of a year really, to, to just um, think about why we're doing all these things. Why, why are these things so important? Why is it so important that we train our children in this way? Number eight. Um, parents should become smaller as the children become bigger. In other words, a parent should become more transparent in, in, in confessing his sin, sharing past struggles and so on, as children mature and as they start to understand these things a little bit more clearly. Um, your your children should start to see more about how difficult it is to fight in the battle of faith, you know, in the battle of the Christian life. Don't don't um work so hard to portray an image that is not real to your children. Don't be a plastic Christian parent. Be be real to them. Obviously we don't Tell them everything. We we are guarded. I mean, the wise person is actually restraining in his words. So, so be careful in in what you're saying. But, but there should be there should be some more um, in depth conversations that you're having with your children as they get older, as you're teaching them how to be responsible with their choices. Number nine. Ordinary times call for or, or make for extraordinary memories. You know, we live in a world that's all about making memories. So we go on vacation so we can make memories. And, and a lot of times we go to events that our children are in and we, we have to take a video of it and so on. And I, I'm like that a lot. But sometimes we actually miss 
the event because we're looking at it through a smaller lens, you know. And, and so, so sometimes it's good to just ha- go through ordinary life and recognize that that there can be some great memories that come just from interacting with one another and enjoying one another's company and showing love to one another. Number ten. A disgraceful life will undermine the gospel, and an exemplary life will commend the gospel. Okay, so in other words, what you're doing already, you should be preaching the gospel of grace to them. That should be that should be seen in your life. So if you're if if you're living a disgraceful life, and at the same time you're preaching the gospel of grace to them. It's not going to work. It's not going to mix. Now, obviously, God is merciful, and sometimes he, I should say, you know, when I say it's not going to work, but you know, sometimes God is gracious and He overcomes um, our inconsistencies. But, but in general, we want to give an exemplary life, put out an exemplary exemplary life before our children, and that will actually highlight the gospel. Number eleven, and then I'll see if you have any questions or comments. Pursue consistency, but recognize that no parent can be fully consistent. In fact, no human leader can be fully consistent. And this is something that I was, um, when I went to Washington, D.C. a couple months ago with Pastor Dwight Schultz from First Baptist Sterling Heights, um, this is something that he pointed out to me in in his parenting. He's got uh, two children who have graduated now from high school and... um, and and you know his kids occasionally would come to him about some situations that were going on at school. They went to Bethany as well, and he'd say, you know, this this teacher or these rules they've set up, they they seem to be inconsistent with this. And and you know, Dwight just said something very profound to them. And and when he was telling me to me, it just really um, made a lot of sense. And that is that no human leader can be fully consistent. And so what we need to teach our children is. I mean, we're trying to be consistent. Don't that doesn't excuse our inconsistency. But what I'm saying is, is that um, that we need to teach our children that we as parents are inconsistent, and yet you still have a responsibility to obey me. And we need to teach them that they're teachers and any leaders. You know, you all have, you know, bosses or the government or whoever you submit to your your husband, whoever it is. All of those leaders that you have in your life right now, they're all inconsistent. And yet we still have a responsibility to submit to them. And so so work as hard as you can at being consistent because, again, go back to the back point, the last point. If we're disgraceful in our life and we, we just pursue inconsistency all the time and say, do what I say, not what I do type thing, then there is going to be some major questions and it's actually going to to um, darken the shadow of the beauty of the gospel. Instead, pursue consistency, but recognize that no one can be perfectly consistent. Any thoughts on 1 through 11? All right, so those are about ourselves. Lessons we learned about children. Number 12, little children require a lot of Money, time, energy. It is energy. Little kids need the strength of your youth, and older kids need your wisdom. So, 
have children while you're young. They're going to require a lot of time and energy. You know, sometimes as you know, even as we're starting to get older, we think about you know, we go over some of these people's houses who have smaller kids, and it's like, man, how how did we do this? How how could we do it? We don't know if we can do this anymore. Um, it seems like such a long time ago, and uh, some of you probably can attest to that who are even older than us. So, little kids need the strength of our youth. Number thirteen. Pack in truth while your children are young and then trust that God's going to help them unpack it. This is something that that I didn't recognize when I was a kid. I remember my parents um, working hard to to instill truth in me from the time that I was young. And I didn't understand all those things that, that they were teaching me. I didn't understand why I had to memorize Scripture and all those things. And yet, now that I'm older, I look back and I'm thankful because now I'm... God's helping me to start unpacking a lot of those things. Like, wow, that's what that meant. I I didn't fully understand that as a child, but your child is just a sponge for learning. And so pack in the truth of God's Word to them while they're young and and watch God unpack it over time. Number 14, study your children. Okay, This kind of goes hand in hand with listening to your children. Get to know them. Build, Build a relationship with them. Don't don't just make this you know some sort of um, um, impersonal relationship where it's kind of like well we're just dealing this with this because this is who God has given me for this time you know know what they love know what bothers them we, as parents you know sometimes we can we can push our kids buttons uh, we we know what pushes their buttons and so we we sometimes do that um, but we have to be careful to love them like we love ourselves. How, how do we want to be treated? How did we want to be treated when we were children? And we ought to treat our children the same way. Number 15. Consistent, loving, faithful discipline will bring peace to your home. Okay, Is your home marked by chaos? Then, Then perhaps... It is because of inconsistency. Work hard at being consistent with their discipline. Don't give empty threats. You know, like if you do this, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to send you to the orphanage or something. Or I, I guess you can't do that, right? Because he'd have to die first. But I'm going to, I'm going to put you up for adoption. Don't give them empty threats. Those are not helpful immediately, and they're not helpful over long periods of time because it starts to show the kid. As they get older, see, when you're, packing, um, when you're packing foolishness into your children, they start to unpack that over time too. So if you tell them, you know, through your, your speaking to them that you don't love them by making statements like that or empty threats, then over time they'll start to unpack that and say, well, I don't think my parents really do love me. So here, here's something very practical. goes along with what we talked about last week. Discipline even when you don't feel like it. I can remember multiple times where I was in the middle of something, studying or watching a, a ball game that I was really interested in, and one of my children acted up, did something that they were not supposed to do, and I remember the, the pull of temptation that I could just delay this, I'll wait till that happens again, or, or I can just tell them to stop doing that and then I'll deal with it later. And usually what happens is we don't deal with it later. The best time to deal with those issues is is right away, particularly when we are in a proper um, atti- when we're having a proper attitude, you know, or 
or getting ready to walk out the door. You know, should I really discipline my child now? Um, you know, you again. You remember the tax the the task list one. You know, don't don't uh, make your task list more important than your child. This is the same thing when it comes to discipline. Make sure that that you're not so uh, focused. You know, have this tunnel vision that you put aside what is your responsibility to to train them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It will bring peace to your home. So be consistent with your discipline. Number 16. Don't let your child see their value in light of the world's standards. Okay, the world rewards the three R's, right? Reading, writing, and arithmetic. But God delights in what? He delights in a heart that is tuned towards His. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. You know, if we, if we are not actively engaging our children in understanding what is right, then they will be automatically being conformed to the image of this world. That, that is, the world will automatically teach them teach them a, a false understanding of things, give them a wrong worldview. And, and so we need to be teaching them. Deuteronomy 30, verse 8, What is it that God values most? And you shall again obey the Lord and observe all His commandments which I command you today. And then the Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand and the offspring of your body and in the offspring of your cattle and in the produce of your ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as He rejoiced over your fathers, if you obey the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes, which are written in the book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Okay, teach them these basic principles that God loves people who, who seek to please Him. God loves and delights in those whose hearts are tuned toward His. Number 17, think of your children like the parable of the talents. The, you remember the three who received talents from the Lord? And this is money. Okay, So they received money from the Lord. This was resources that they were given. And they were supposed to do something with it. The one who was given five and the one who was given two, they did something. The one who was given one did not. So, so help, you need to see your children as one of your resources that He's handed to you. Now, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to bury it in the ground and not do anything? In other words, you're, you're just going to wait for them. I was too afraid of what the Master might do, so I didn't do anything. You know, I didn't lead at all. That's not leadership. You know, God is calling for, God is calling for us to use the resource that we have, specifically the child that He's given to us, and and um, and seek to please Him and teach our children to do the same thing. You know, they have certain resources that they've been given. Yes, money, but it can include a lot more than that. What are you doing with those resources for God's purposes? Um, we want to be faithful stewards of what God has, has given us. All right, number 18. Mark this down. There will be days of chaos. There will be days of chaos. But on those days, sometimes it's it's okay just to make sure that your kids are fed and safe that day. Okay? Sometimes you know, you may think 
especially if you've never had children, you may think that, you know, if I had it my way, I would have everything under control. But there are days where things are just so hairy that it's it's difficult to to um to keep your sanity, right? And so just recognize there are going to be days like that and make sure that they're they're fed and safe and um you know, pray that God will give you opportunity the next day to to be able to teach them and to to make take the next step. Number 19. Teach older children to learn uh uh to care for the weaker among them. Help them to see that you know, children are important and that God God looks with grace upon the weak and that they should be ones who are grace dispensers. They are dispensing grace, the grace that God has given to them to other people who are lower than them. So teach them, even from a young age, that you know what, you need to look out for the needs of other people around you. So if they have a younger sibling, help them to look out for their, you know, to care for for their younger sibling in, in different ways. All right. Any uh, questions on uh, 12 through 19 or comments? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, try to develop them in in whatever way to use for God's glory. You know, how can you use this for the sake of God's service? Um, So, yeah, it's more than just money. It's more than just, you know, the mind. All right, number 20. You reap what you sow. Okay, you reap what you sow. And so that means that, that if you're not speaking into the lives of your children, if you're not speaking to your children, if you're not developing a relationship with your child while he's young, then don't expect when he becomes a teenager that you're going to have those open doors of communication with him or her. Okay, So that, oh, I just expect that we're going to be able to talk through a lot of these things. Well, were you talking to them while they were young? I mean, were, or were you distant and cold toward them? Second Corinthians 9.6 says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. So this is a basic principle in life that that specifically is referring to judgment. That if we you know sow sin, then we're going to to reap judgment. But I think the principle applies in parenting as well. That if we sow a um, a cold, heartless relationship with our child then we shouldn't expect to reap uh, you know a close um relationship with with our child as they get older i think you see that in your own relationship with your parents that whatever kind of relationship you had while you were young you probably have a similar relationship with your parents now number 21 boredom is okay okay boredom for your kids is fine it causes them to be creative. If we fill up all of the time uh, that our kids are are thirsting for some sort of entertainment, then you know what's going to happen? That's going to be their drug. And they can't get away. They, they can't exist unless they're entertained. They have to always be feeding that. What can turn into, you know, something that could be good can actually turn into a lust. 
something that is put in the place of God. And so we don't want to, to do that. It's okay if our children are bored at times. Allow them to be creative and figure out something to do. That's okay. All right? Number 22. Send your children to bed and to school in peace. Okay? Especially, you know, when they go to bed, they're just laying there and a lot of times they're just thinking. And so if we have, you know, a big explosion of anger right before they go to bed and we don't resolve the anger with them, then then guess what they're going to be thinking about as they lay their head on their pillow. He says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Ephesians 4.26. Number 23. <clears throat> um, make sure your kids keep short accounts. Short accounts of... Um, of their sin with with each other. Create a culture of care and forgiveness in your home where it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail, but there is a way to handle failure. There's a way to to deal with our sin. We don't just ignore it. Okay? Um, we don't want our kids walking on eggshells all the time, like if you don't obey, that, that type of thing. But But there should be some sort of way to handle that failure so that you know what? They can come back to mom. They can they can come back to dad and say, Dad, I I messed up. You know, and that starts with us being honest with them when we fail them. You know, when when we treat them in a wrong way, we go to them and ask for their forgiveness. Not e- an easy thing to do, but but First Corinthians thirteen five says that love keeps no record of wrongs. Number twenty four, teach your kids to be shock absorbers, not wave makers. Okay, teach them to to be peacemakers, to be people, you know, like we, we had a whole class on this where we were talking about us as parents trying to make peace among our family or, or among our children, but teach them to do the same thing, that that they're not supposed to be um, trying to, to make waves and, you know, be always the contrarian, the per- person who's always the devil's advocate in every argument. Instead, they're supposed to be settling those types of things and trying to bring peace to other people. That's going to be helpful as they get older and when they start you know, uh, raising their own families, when they start living uh, in the body of Christ, when they start working and so on. Teach them to be peacemakers. Number 25, kids are sponges with regard to learning, but they're also sponges with regard to being able to memorize. They are just able to absorb those things so quickly and easily. So, so again, pack that truth into them while they're young and let God unpack it as they get older. Number 26, similar to the watching out for the weak, teach your children to notice needs. Teach them to ask, you know, what can I do to help? You know, a lot of times our kids are wired to just say, you know, what what can I do to get by? What can I do not to help? What What's the most I have to do so that mom and dad are happy with me? Instead, it ought to be, what can I do to help? I want to be a servant to to you, mom and dad. I want to be servant to you, brother and sister, and so on, in every area of life. Um, teach them to be good helpers. Number 27. Um, teach your children to um, look adults in the eyes. Okay, respect. Teach them to be respectful of other people, particularly adults. And um, just something very 
practical, that would be helpful. That, that you know what, <clears throat> their feelings are not important, more important than someone else's concerns, someone else's respect. So teach them to be respectful, and um, and that will go a long way. Number twenty-eight. Fight materialism by teaching your children to have a thankful heart. First Thessalonians 5:18. You know, the one of the one of the results of a person who's filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5 too is to give thanks in everything. First Thessalonians 5:18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will. God's desire for you as parents, God's desire for your children is to be thankful. So teach them that, you know, be thankful with what you got. You're not going to be happy if you just keep getting more stuff. If you do get more stuff, then then thank God for that. Thank whoever gave it to you. But but teach them to be thankful. And uh, and it won't matter how much stuff they have when they get older. They'll be able to they'll be able to um, to be grateful. They'll be able to have a good a good life, a good profitable life. Number twenty nine. Teach your children to receive reproof and correction and instruction. The way of the fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Remember the 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 fool is the one who wants to speak his mind, but the wise person is one who listens. And so the same thing is true with regard to correction. A wise person is actually happy to receive correction. Now, that's a difficult one to teach, especially as our kids are young, but teach them to do that. This correction is actually good for you. Then number 30, um, let kids be kids. Don't live vicariously through your child. You know, your your child is not your second self. This is not your second life that you're living. So all the things that I want to do when I was a kid, I'm going to do that through my kids. So I'm going to put them in this sporting event. or that, You know, I wish I could have excelled at fill in the blank. And then we force them down that road. Instead, give them a, a cafeteria of plan of ideas of what they can be involved in. And then let them choose. Let them... Let them uh, start to make choices, particularly as they get older. You know, let them get involved in various extracurricular activities instead of trying to build a resume. You know, in order to to be in the professional sporting league, then they have to do all these things. So I'm going to start them out now and and whatever. So um, let them be kids. All right, any questions? We've got a couple more sections here to go through our comments. All right, things we learned about Satan. Satan likes to come into our homes on Sunday mornings. You know, right when we're walking out the door, there's a lot of times there are problems. And for those of you who have young children, you know what I'm talking about. Um, number 32, don't feel pressure to baptize your children. Don't feel pressure to see your child uh, to see your child make a profession of faith. Okay, when I say that, I don't mean don't be unconcerned. Be concerned about that, but but don't pressure them into it. You know, to the place where, it, you know, you're coercing a decision out of your child. That is not helpful for your child. Uh, let God work. Just purpose now with your spouse that we're going to to allow the Spirit of God to work. Yes, we're going to call them to faith and repentance, but we're not going to force it on them. We want God to do the work. We want the Spirit to do the work. And so, so don't feel that pressure um, to, to get a credible profession of faith out of them. God will do that work in His time.
Number 33. Um, Satan likes to divide. And the way that Satan divides is often through the authority structure. You remember how he went after Eve? You know, instead of going to Adam and trying to tempt Adam, he goes right to Eve. And actually, when he tempts Eve, he actually tempts Adam too. Because he went he went uh, basically over Adam's authority and went directly to Eve. And um, he does the same thing in the home. You know, he, he instead of going through the parent, he likes to go right to the child and say, you know, did your, is your parent really that um, that faithful? Is he really that honest with you? And so, so maybe it would be okay this one time to to sin. So watch out for Satan's devices. He likes to attack authority. Number thirty-four. Uh, don't cheat your child to be independent. I need to explain what I mean by that. You know, when your daughter gets out from underneath your authority, she's likely going to go under the authority of someone else. Okay, and so if she's learned her whole life that she needs to be independent, you've been training her to be independent, and now she's become independent, now she's underneath the authority of her husband, she's no longer independent. And truly, she never was independent. Okay, we are... And and I would say the same thing for men, obviously... For boys, they're going to have a different level of responsibility, authority, but even us as men still are always under authority. There's always someone that we have to report to. Um, and so don't teach your children that that it's okay to to object to authority and that, you know, I'm going to work towards my own independence. And uh, particularly with, with daughters who are going to be getting married, it's it uh, can be very volatile for their future life. Don't allow the world to force you into its mold. Number 35, beware of good things in your home that can take the place of God. You know, like sports or popularity or good grades or whatever recreation, whatever it is. If we get our children to pursue those things and even excel in those things to the exclusion of cultivating a heart that loves God, then we have failed as parents. Matthew 6:24 says no one can serve two masters. Luke 10:40 and 41, you know, Martha is is busily, you know, um wor- working and and trying to get everything ready and Jesus says, "You know what? Mary's actually doing what's better. She's sitting here developing a relationship with with me, and that's a good thing." So beware of things that are actually good that can get in the place of what is best, serving God. Now, what what we need to do is do those good things while we're serving God to the glory of God, right? But but sometimes that we do that to the exclusion of it. And those become our idol in life. And that's all we pursue. And and if you don't think that's important, then just look at a few adults who have who've done that their whole lives and they've given up their relationship with God for the sake of whatever, whatever they pursued, something that was actually good. And um, and we don't want to cultivate that in our children. Number 36, arm your children for a life of war, not hiding in the bunker. Okay, Sometimes what we can do as parents is we can so shelter our children that we put them in this Christian bubble 
that they've never had a chance to see what it's like out on the battlefield. Now, we don't want to send them out there prematurely, but we need to think of raising our children more like boot camp and less like, you know, trying to train them to live in a bunker for the rest of their life. That's not what's going to happen. So take them through training exercises for their future life that's going to prepare them for being out on the battlefield. That's what's going to happen, right? So arm them in, in that way. There's great wisdom that they can learn, even from looking at the field of the sluggard. You know, sometimes what we do is we hole up our kids, what we call isolationism. We can hole up our kids so that they don't see any of the bad things in the world, right? But then when they actually do, they don't know how to process it because all they've seen is stuff that's been you know, filtered through you. And I'm not saying just open up the whole window and let them see everything. Um, but, but be guarded in it. Be wise in what you're, you're allowing them to see and experience and so on. But there's actually great wisdom in taking your children by the field of the sluggard. You see how that's all grown up over there? You know, but we as parents sometimes can get so um, constricting and trying to guard. We don't want them to see what the sluggard's life might. Maybe they want to pursue that. Well, no, actually, when they see that, they see the foolishness of it. And that's what we want them to see. Okay, so obviously there's going to be a lot of wisdom that's required in how that's applied in situations. But but arm them for battle, not for the bunker. All right, and then what we learned about God. Prayer is a mighty weapon to use in the life of your children. It, it, it changes our own hearts and our approach to the children, and it also helps soften their hearts. So when you discipline them, it would be helpful to pray with them. When you, you know, when you spend time, spend time in formal instruction, and when you do pray together, it's good for a family to pray together. Number thirty-eight. God uses children as a mirror to your own heart and exposes your sin and your hypocrisy at times. To have children is a is a humbling endeavor because your children are often a smaller version of yourself. Did you ever notice that? But what the difference between you and your children is that your children are not as crafty at hiding their sin. And so they often do things that you also do, but they do it in a very open way or with, or with openly wrong motives. And so when we see it, we say, how could you possibly do that? And it's it's at that time that God uses that to strike our hearts and say, wow, I do exactly that same thing, only I'm more crafty at hiding it. And so God helps our children to expose our sin. That's a good thing. And so recognize that when you see that, don't, don't try to say, you know, dismiss all of your own sin. Like I would never do something like that. But, but treat them with care and love and recognize that God is actually using them to help train, to, train you. And then number 39... God is the one who chooses. God is the one who saves. So we can't do this heart-changing work. At best, we can pray for them and point them to God who can cause them to be born again. So again, back to the coercion one. Don't coerce your children into a decision. Um, pray about it. Be actively engaged in their lives. Instruct them. Show them the, the great danger in, not, in disobeying and, and turning away from God but ultimately recognize that it's God who does the work in their hearts. Any thoughts on these practical words for parents? Hopefully they were practical. Yes? Well, I would say that she still would not be fully independent. There's still going to be responsibilities that she has. Um, and, 
you know, she she still has responsibility. We're going to talk in the next hour about honoring her parents. And so part of honoring her parents may be that she still has some sort of dependence upon them and their leadership in her life. She doesn't come to a place where even if she's moved out to her house, based on my understanding of the Scripture, where she's like, you know what, I'm free. I, I don't have to live under anybody's authority. She's going to have a job. She's going to have to learn how to be dependent upon her boss. She's going to be in a church. She's going to have to be dependent upon the leadership of the church. She's going to live with any, in, uh, under any government, whatever it is in the world, and she has a responsibility based on Romans 13 to submit to the government. So that's why I would say you know, independence is not really what our world makes it out to. You know, What the world is trying to force onto us is that we need to be free without constraint. That is, that we have no restraints on us. But if you think about it, God is not even free in that way. I mean, God has restraints in the sense that He can't sin, right? So, I mean, He can't do anything apart from His decreed will. So God, technically, we could actually picture God in a way. We don't like to do this, but God is actually restrained, that He can't do certain things. And so we need to teach our children that they're never going to be to a point where they're free from restraint. And the independence, the independence that our world is calling for is very much like that, that it's without restraint. And so that can be very dangerous, particularly for for uh, our kids as they get older. Yes, Trish. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, no amount of money is going to bring us ultimate security. You know, no, um, no, no amount of independence is going to bring us ultimate security. Security is actually under the authority of God, and so we, we need to teach our children to be dependent in that way. Jonathan? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I wish I would have done that earlier. Um, Jonathan asked last week, should we, um, with the rod of discipline, is that, you know, should that be taken literally that it should be actually a rod rather than a, uh, an open hand or whatever? I would suggest that it would because the Scriptures speak of it in that way, that a rod, and I don't know all the reasons for that, but we don't have to know all the reasons. I would just offer possibly one, and that is that we want to, we don't necessarily want to connect the pain to our to, to our hands. Not that it's distant from us, but this is really... You know, the the rod is actually something that's kind of a buffer between us and the child. And, you know, Retta brought up last week that, that the parent actually knows how hard they're spanking if they do it with their hand. But but I, I think we have scriptural, there may be some wisdom in that, but I think we have scriptural warrant to do it with the rod. And so I would recommend, you know, doing it with a, a paddle that displaces the pain over a large spot, not just, you know... Um, not barbed wire, or, you know, some sort of switch or something, obviously. Yeah. I remember when we were cleaning up our kids that Dr. Dobson, the veterinarian, was on parenting, and he said, think of the hands as showing love. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, when you reach out to parent, you want the child to see it as love, not as, oh, they're going to, you know, beat me or something. I'm 
Yeah. I actually see discipline as love, though, so I would be careful about how I would say that. I understand his point there, but um, we don't want to make a dichotomy, a, a dichotomy between, okay, now I have to discipline you, then I can love you. Actually, I'm loving you when I discipline you. So um, I, I see his point there, but i just be careful how we say that. All right, let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Lord, thank you for uh, those of us who had great parents to, to help pack truth into us and to guide us away from danger in, in our lives, spiritual danger, and for the, 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 really the fruit that we're reaping even now because of them. And we're also thankful for the grace that you showed to many of us here who didn't have the best of parents or maybe perfect parents or even believing parents, but, but you used them to help shape us and to, to direct us in a way that you wanted us to go. And, and you actually poured out your grace upon us but but we as parents want to, to leave a good um, example for our children. We want to be a good example for them. We want to be consistent as we possibly can because we know that we're painting a picture for them of, of your relationship with Christ, your relationship with us, and Christ's relationship with the church. And so help us to um, to paint that picture well with our children and ultimately that you would be glorified in our homes. In Jesus' name, amen.